It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07. News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful in your landscape or in your garden or in your home, whatever it happens to be that you have a concern about this Saturday morning. The number is 404-872-0750. You can dial those numbers, get in, get your question answered, and go back to bed, listen to the rain outside. Rain is sort of tapering off right now. There'll be a couple more showers. I'm looking at Storm Tracker. HD radar up here. So Rome is getting a little rain right now. Atlanta's drying up for a bit. We'll have some rain later on this morning. Again, our phone number, 404-872-0750. Here's a question. Is there a more glorious time in Atlanta than the first week of April? I can't think of one. I got it this morning. I came out the front door of my house. There directly in front of the steps is this huge pink azalea. And it'll just the light of my front door, the light of the, the, the light of the porch that's over the front door, illuminated that pink azalea. And even at 5.30 in the morning, it was spectacular. I got in my car. I got on my street. My street dead ends into another cross street. Across is a, is a friend of mine. It lives across, across the, uh, the T there. And when I saw Missy's house, she has this huge white dogwood. And above the white dogwood are three, one, two, three white azaleas. And then one, two, three pink azaleas. And then one, two on either end, red azaleas. Glorious. Fantastically glorious. I drive around Atlanta. I've driven around Atlanta in the last couple of days two or three times. And every, way, every turn I go, I see more azaleas, more blooming plants, more red leaves, more Japanese maples, dogwoods. Man, oh man, oh man, it is so pretty outside right now. One of my friends, Newton Hogg, who was the horticulture agent, Newton Hogg, yeah, that was his name. Newton Hogg was the horticulture agent for DeKalb County back in 1975, six, seven, I guess. It was around 1995. And Newton had a little notebook, and he would take every year, he would note down which day of the year, of the month, of April, would be the top bloom day for dogwoods. And in another page of the notebook, what was the top bloom day for azaleas? And when he was about to retire, he was cleaning out his desk, cleaning out his files and everything, and I saw that little notebook be put on the trash outside his office, and I said, Newton, i got to have that. i got to see what your notes were. And he had noted for probably 10 years, I guess, what were the top blooming days for azaleas and, and for dogwoods. And so I took his notebook and transferred all of his notes into a little spreadsheet of my own and came up with the, with the prediction that every year, the first week of April, is going to be the best. If you have friends from out of town who want to see Atlanta in its gorgeous, glorious azalea dogwood season, first week of April will do it. Man, all over Atlanta, all over this part of Georgia, they both blew at the same time. It is a gorgeous time to be outside. One more time, our phone number, 404-872-0750. We go first to the phones with our friend Nicole down in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeves. Ms. Nicole, how are you? Fine, fine. 
You know, um, I have an azalea that did not bloom the yeah. year before and the year before. And uh, because we had so much uh, water last hmm. summer, yeah. it's more beautiful. Because I had one that never bloomed because I put it in the wrong place, yeah. next to utility building, and I know it got hot every summer, <laughs> you know. But this year it is on fire. Big yeah. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's so many different colors now of azaleas. The, the old, you see, what are those? Pink and a red and a white. <laughs> that was all you had. Pink, red, white. And they're the ones that mostly predominated in my neighborhood. But then over the last, oh, 10 or 15 years, I guess, all the hybrids have come out with all the different bicolored flowers with the pink and red or white and red. Gorgeous, gorgeous flowers. Yes, they need the water because they're on the, on the carriage. They like to be underneath the tree and the roots. The tree's going to get the water first. Yeah, yeah, they oh, compete the with each other. Certainly true, certainly true. Um, I think the best place for a dogwood is out right at the edge of the drip line. So you get some sunshine during the morning, maybe up till noon or 1 or 2 o'clock maybe. It can be almost direct sunshine even in the summer till 1 o'clock. But after that, some shade, some cool, cool those roots back down because it does not like to be in full, full hot baking sun, most of them. Uh, Japanese maple, they change color wherever yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, right now I see those red leaves on many of the tree-formed Japanese maples are just fabulous, just great. So uh, whatever it's in the soil, like uh, a lot of uh, calcium, a lot yeah. of iron, yeah. will change the color of stuff, isn't it? Nah, not so much for trees, not so much. I mean, other than just you got to have the right pH of the soil, yeah. Um, have enough iron and nitrogen available to the leaves to develop their full color. But it's not like you change color based on the pH like a hydrangea. You know, hydrangeas, you have pink ones and uh, blue ones if you change the pH of the soil. But that's not the same for trees. They don't usually react to minerals in the soil like a, like a hydrangea does. A, um, uh, I plant some cabbage <laughs> the 1st of February in yeah. I had those big leaf cabbage. Yeah, yeah. But no head. What wow. happened to the head? Hmm. <sighs> Sometimes they get a little hot. There's some trigger in the cabbage that causes it to head for the leaves to become small and sort of curl over each other. I know that my dad, we'd occasionally have head cabbage that they would, you know, perform and do like they're supposed to and have a head of cabbage. But sometimes we just have big leaves. But, I mean, you know this, too. You can make slaw out of the leaves or the head. Either way, you can make good slaw. So I think my mother would harvest the leaves, cut them off, and make slaw out of those big leaves, whether they're a head or not. Oh, yeah, I don't lose anything because uh -huh. they are red. And, uh, oh boy, they're just huge. Yeah, and yeah. I found some uh, cauliflower and some uh, broccoli, and I'm eating lettuce, like five of kind of lettuce. <laughs> I just like, love rabbit food because it's, <laughs> you know where it comes from. It's not in the bag, and it's, uh, it's sweet. And you get a little bit of grit, a little bit of sand in there when you eat your lettuce straight from the garden, too. You get a little minerals in your diet. Yes, yes. And I planted a lot of tulip mysteries. Mm -hmm. I swear they came up with different kind of tulips. Doggone it. They, uh, they ruffle yeah. on top. It's like fringe. Hmm. 
And different colors, two, three colors. That's not what you with white. That's, what, mm. that's not what you bought. That's not what you thought you had. No, I, I've always bought this mix because you yeah. always get the different specimens sometimes before yeah. the one that comes on, on the because they don't know they're just put in the bag and uh, <laughs> boy you just get all uh, even the data they always buy the mix one. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get some different ones. You get some that you say, no, I've never seen one like that. It has the orange Corolla, the orange center on a daffodil with a white with a fringe on the edge. That's a different one, but it could come in a mixed bag. Same with the tulips. You get all the different colors and the fringes and the straight straight petals. And yeah, I like the same thing. I like a difference. I don't like the same of the same plant planted in rows and rows and rows. I like to see some difference in what they look like. And I have, um, I was worried about those bumblebees. Yeah. I know why now, Mr. Reeve. Why? Because the little white flower just fall off because it was too cold one morning. Yeah. And the bumblebees don't have anything to eat, so they don't come as many times. <laughs> I realized that, you know. And I had a lot of two, three hummingbirds. They are already here. Oh, really? You and see them already? Yeah, you know. Nice. I didn't know they were here. I know people have said to put your feeders out, but I, were, I wasn't aware the hummers were already down here. They'd already or up here, I guess, where they migrate up from Florida, up from the up from the Keys. Yeah, they were in the blueberry tree, trying to get a little pollen from all yeah, those. They won't get much from a blueberry. Blueberries don't have a lot of nectar, but it's a good thing they have a lot of flowers. So they got a lot of things to feed the bumblebees and the pollinators and those blueberry flowers, but they don't individually have a lot of nectar in them at all. And it's always nice to see them, isn't it? All small they are. Good, because I yeah. wouldn't see the babies. Did you ever see the babies? No, I never have. I've seen pictures, but never have seen them in a real nest like I have for cardinals and bluebirds and things like that. Not at all. I never see a small, such a small bird like this. And I had this yellow bird in the feeder. Do you know what kind it is? Mm. Bright yellow bird? No, I should, but I don't offhand. Maybe it was lost somewhere, got vacation. <laughs> it went to Griffin instead of Atlanta, just got lost going down the highway. Thought, oh, I'll just get off here to Griffin and go see what Nicole has in her backyard. Did you uh, went to the garden yet in, in Griffin? No, I have not. I meant to go when I went down to a, uh, m- a memorial service for a friend of mine's father, and it was just a little bit too tight with time, and I couldn't get to the garden and see what I wanted to see over there. Uh, uh, people like to go there because we get new idea, and we come back at the house and yeah. say, oh, oh, that was a good idea. Anytime you can go to our garden in springtime, there's another one in Jackson, too. Yeah, steal the idea, take it home, put it at your yard. What the, the garden that Nicole is referring to is the, what do they call it, the University of Georgia Demonstration Garden there. They have on, the experiment. The experimental yeah. garden that they have there next to the experiment station. What's the name of the road that it's on? Nicole. Ellis, Ellis Road. Ellis Road. Yeah, right. Ellis Road there, just a little bit outside of Griffin. And they have beautiful flowers. And that's where some of the researchers from the horticulture department in Griffin and the University of Georgia campus there are doing their research. So you see lots of different sort of settings of plants, the blueberries, of course, and some of the peaches and things like that. They are researching there at the Experimental Garden in Griffin. Yeah, one year they had a trial from Azalea. Yeah, different right. Different year they had that. a different trial, blueberry, peaches. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Canna. I saw one year there was a big canna lily trial down there at the bottom of the hill. It's a yeah. pretty thing to see. Well, it's, six, it's 618, Nicole. i got to get out of here. Jason is yelling at me from the control booth, so i got to go. But it's great talking to you again. 
Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. We'll see you next Saturday. Okay. It is 618. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. <laughs> nice choice, Jason. Nice choice this morning. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the showers taper off of the afternoon. High day, 61 degrees, low overnight, 36, and perhaps a freeze warning for the northern counties of Atlanta. Tomorrow, high of 61, low of 45, warming up a little bit, and a mixture of clouds and sun. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes. Those News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. J.D. down in College Park joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, J.D. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Thank you J.D. My call. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing all right, as you can tell. College Park looking pretty, too, I, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. What's going on? Well, Walter, I have an area, a small area. It's about, about 20 by 50, roughly 1,000 square feet. And... uh no, no grass will grow there because it's completely shaded, yeah, 100% yeah. shaded. Got it. And I'm considering uh, putting mondo grass there, but I don't know what size to use. I don't know whether you I, – I don't want the real big uh, mondo grass. I want something kind of, you know, small to medium. Yeah. And I was wondering, how far do I space them apart, Walter? I'll tell you, if you get the real, real dwarf mondo grass that is about an inch tall, it simply doesn't spread – much at all. Mine spread uh, two inches in two years, maybe, and that you'll you know, bankrupt yourself trying to buy as many of those as you need to cover a thousand square feet. I would go ahead, JD, and get the bigger size of mondo grass. It's just called regular mondo grass, is what I call it, and uh-huh. space it at six inches to eight inches apart, and you will cover in about a year. If you start now in the spring, you should be pretty close to completely covered by September of this year. Oh, the, wow. the bigger mondo grass, the longer the leaves, they can absorb more sunshine, so that's why they spread a little faster. And that's why the little ones don't spread so much, because they don't have much leaf surface on them. But if oh, you'll put them okay. six to eight inches apart from each other, they'll spread. The little runs will go out two inches, and we load another plant and go another two inches, another plant. It'll have two or three different plants coming off the same mother plant that you put down in, in April. Well, I have a hard job keeping it clean, because it's going to be a lot, a lot of other stuff. Oak tree leaves there because it's going to fall on them this fall? Uh, not so much. I mean, you blow it like you do a lawn. Um, get a, a gas blow and blow it off. It doesn't seem to be a big problem with me. Mine is shaded by a crepe myrtle, which, of course, has smaller leaves than an oak tree does. But I don't have much problem with leaves on it at all back there. I think it's doing fine. And, you know, the mondograss planting process, J.D., I've done the best or gotten the best results, I guess, when having two people working, one making holes with a little plunger, plugger thing that I have, and the other one taking plants and one plant, a handful of dirt, pat it down with your hand, go to the next hole, one plant, handful of dirt, pat it down with your hand, and the holder can stay about 10 or 15 holes in front of the other guy, and both of you take a break every once in a while to, to divide the mondo grass plants from a clump that you dug up someplace in the yard or got from a neighbor or something. But if you put them six inches apart, J.D., by September, it'll be gorgeous. Good enough, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great talking to you, J.D. We'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Take care.
628 at News Talk WSB. We will be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.35 on a Saturday morning, 55 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden. Just let me know what you want to do to be successful. I will tell you how to get there. 404-872-0750 is my number. In the next half hour, we'll talk to David. He wants to talk about how to plant a cantaloupe at this time of year. Wendy indicated wants to know how to get her front lawn looking better. Chris and Conyers has a grass question. And Barbara and Snellville, fescue planting now or later? We'll find out about that as well. First in line, Ron's in Smyrna with a question about his azalea. Hey, Ron. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? Hey, I've got some azaleas in front of a window up against the house that are at least six feet tall. I was wondering how far I can cut them back without, you know, killing them. Well, <laughs> you can cut them back pretty far, but you're going to have one year of diminished blooms, and then it'll recover and bloom great for you after that. So let's say right now you wait until after the bloom. You've enjoyed the flowers, of course, and so that'll be the later part of this month. And you prune them back from, let's say, six feet down to three feet. Okay. Then during the summer, you'll get this enormous explosion of growth. Assuming it's a healthy azalea, there's this broom coming out of the ground, two, three feet more growth. So if you don't want it back at six feet by next year, it might be good to cut it down to two feet right now. Give yourself a little little chance of growth, or you could prune some during the summer to keep it small. But nonetheless, that big flush of lush growth that happens this summer is going to have few flowers on it because it's all juvenile, what they call, they call juvenile growth. And so the azaleas of next year, next spring, will have a few flowers but not very many on it. But then as that juvenile growth becomes mature adult growth, as long as you don't prune it off, then it becomes the year after that, 2020, gets a really big, huge display of flowers. Okay, so, so I can't cut them back to three feet you with, without You could easily cut them back to three feet. And if you're just put it on your calendar to every month or so to go out during this summer and prune back that explosive growth that comes, you could probably keep it, I think, down to three feet or four feet and still have new growth. Again, not so many flowers this coming year, but if you'll be pretty good about keeping it down to the right height that you like, 2020 is going to be a great year for azaleas. Okay. What about a, a row of ligustrum? Can I yeah. cut maybe a, a third of them, pop out of them? <laughs> I think ligustrum, you can go a half to three quarters and they'll okay. be fine. No problem. Ligustrum oh. is the same family as privet. And you, if you've ever pruned a Chinese privet plant, you know you can cut it down to the ground. It'll be back up three feet tall by two months later. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Good talking to you, Ron. Me too. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Ron's place. Barbara in Snellville is next in line. Hey, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Hey, Barbara. Uh, I would like to know, can I plant um, that turf fescue grassy now if the sun and shade can? Yes, but. Right, more, another yes, but answer to you, Barb. If you plant it now... It'll spring up, and when April, May, June, it will look gorgeous. It'll look like a carpet of green. You will be so proud of that lawn. In July, 
because the roots really haven't had a chance to get down deep in the ground in July. It'll start looking a little bit yellow. By August, it's going to look a lot yellow. By September, it's going to look pretty thin in places where it's been in the, in the most sun. So mm-hmm. if you plant it now, be prepared for July and August being sort of ratty, because that's why we say plant fescue in the fall. When you plant it back in September and October, it has all of winter and all of early spring to get deeper roots which then can take up the water and nutrients in the summer a lot better than spring-planted seed can. Okay, so uh, it'll look ready during July and August. So will it come back in September? A lot of times, most of it will come back, and that is the time to really do your soil preparation, aerating maybe, or even tilling the whole thing up and replanting completely from scratch the seed. But for now, yeah, you can plant fescue now. It'll come up, like I said, it'll look gorgeous for the next three or four months. Everybody will wonder how in the world you did such a good job, Barbara. So <laughs> at least you got three or four months to look forward to a beauty, you know? Oh, okay. So do I need to aerate it before I put them down now or just wait until yeah, the fall? you know, it would be great. If you did aerate now, you get a better root system. So next week, as a matter of fact, next week, since it rained this weekend, if you wait two or three days for the soil just to dry out just a little bit, so if you were to Uh schedule somebody to come in and aerate on Tuesday or Wednesday of this coming week, that would be great times because those times of the aerator could get deeper in the soil now than they would be able to if you wait until it's dried out and the soil is really hard. Oh, okay. Yeah, so aeration is a good idea. Okay, and I have another question. Real quick. Some weed killer. Yeah. Can I give you the name of it? Sure. Okay, it's weed to gone, and I don't notice where it did anything huh. where it killed any weed. It's tough to get weed killers to work very well when you have nighttime temperatures that are cool. Yes. So, so probably it is doing something, but it's going to be slow while the temperatures are cool during the day and during the night. So that's what I would expect in the, in the late winter and early spring. You just don't get fast reaction from the weed killers. So it's best to spray during the summer? During the day when it's warm and when it's absorbed a little bit better. And yeah. also, be careful. Read the label on your uh, Weeby Gone Barbara. Make sure it says can be used on newly seeded fescue, which I don't think it does. And so you can't really spray it on your newly seeded lawn if you're going to put seed down now. You did little spot sprays here and there is about all I'd want you to do. Okay, so that weed gone is a good weed killer. Oh, sure. It'll work. It's just uh, not different temperatures. It works differently. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. That's great talking to you. Thanks for calling, Barb. You too. Bye-bye. Wendy is in Decatur and has another long question. Hey, Wendy. Good morning. Wendy. Windy, windy, windy. I'll put Windy back on hold and we'll go to David instead. David's out in Tucker and joins us. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hi, man. I uh, have a repeat of the original question I asked you the first time <laughs> I called way back in, when mastodons roamed the earth. Yeah, uh, what was that question? That is, uh, I planted cantaloupe many years ago and uh, finally got, you know, cantaloupe are actually looking like cantaloupe. Yeah. And uh, when I went to harvest them, it turned out I had a balloon. I did not have a cantaloupe. Arr. It was completely hollowed out, and I think I had some plastic or something underneath it. There was a little bitty hole in that plastic. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, uh, is this something that planted a, an egg in the blossom, or how did this come about, and how do I combat that? Hmm, let me think. 
one thing that hollows, but you would know if you saw this, is mice. When mice get into a cantaloupe patch, melons, either one, mice will go in and hollow it out from a relatively small hole one end of the fruit. But that's not part of what you have. You would likely have <clears throat> one of the, ooh, there are cantaloupe borers, squash borers that get in, relatively small hole. They start, David, right at the base of the flower where the ovule is developing into the melon. So once the flower's been pollinated, you know, within a week or so, you have a little green thing that begins to expand and be bigger and bigger and bigger until finally it makes a cantaloupe. Well, the cantaloupe borer, squash borer, because it affects all the squash family members, puts an egg right at the base of the ovule. So what you have to do is wait until after it's flowered, because you don't want to put any insecticide down when there's bees and pollinators running around, you know, moving your pollen for your for your cantaloupes. But mm -hmm. directly after it is pollinated, then you can spray right at the base of the flower, where the female flower with that little ovule is big as the end of your thumb. Spray mm -hmm. that, and that'll kill most of the time. That'll kill the squash borer, and you won't have a problem for their fruit later on. Maybe another, you know, second spray two weeks later just to clean up, mop up, and be sure you got good contact. But that's what it, that's what it is. Just be careful not to hurt your pollinators. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to make another run at cantaloupe this year. So. <laughs> July, I want to hear a report. Hopefully no hollow cantaloupes for David. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet, David. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. At 644, we got Chris and Conyers with us. Hey, Chris. Morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up, Chris? Okay, this is what I have. I have wild, tall wild fescue yeah. in pockets in my Bermuda. Got it. How can I kill it? If I am not terribly mistaken, the product called Image for Nutgrass says on the label can be used on Bermuda grass to get rid of fescue. It also says do not use on fescue because it'll really kill the fescue if you try to use it on a fescue lawn. So the first thing I would investigate is reading the label on image for nutgrass and see if that doesn't meet your needs. Now, you know what I did, because I spoke with you about a month and a half ago, and you did tell me that. Mm -hmm. But I did. I went the cheap route, and I didn't want to get the image. Okay. And I went and got, uh, I forgot, or, or somebody else. Uh, that, that, I can't remember, but nevertheless, I went and got the cheaper I went the cheaper route, yeah. and it did nothing, and it's really bad now. I mean, it's very obvious, Yeah. but it's not too late to apply that, although I just uh, uh, did my fertilizer. To be honest, David, uh, Chris, I mean, you're about 24 hours. <laughs> I want to say it's 24 hours too late because the image is absorbed by the roots of the plant. And so if you had done it yesterday or the day before, so that the rain would have taken it down into the roots, you'd get really good coverage and good control on the fescue. So now you need to wait, listen for Kirk's forecast. If he says it's going to rain, you know, 90% chance of rain in Conyers in the next two or three days, that's when you put the image down. You've got to either water it in or rain it in one or the other so it gets down to the roots of your fescue. It'll take about... Ooh, two weeks sometimes in the spring. It's not, it's, it doesn't work very, very fast because of temperatures. So it'll take about two weeks to so get much yellowing on the fescue. But two weeks later, it should be pretty yellow if it gets watered in and absorbed by the fescue. Okay, so I guess I'll have to spend the $25 and, and go get the image. you got to spend the money to have success, Chris. Sounds good. That's the That's way it goes, then. Thanks for talking to me. We'll see you soon, Chris. Thanks for calling. Thank you again. If we go real quick, you know what? We could get Charles in here. Charles, out in Covington, out in Newton County. Let's go. What you got, Charles? Yes, uh, I've got a 
uh, a dogwood tree and yeah. something has uh, chewed the bark off of the bottom of it about as big as my thumb. Get out. And uh, it scratches all the way up to probably about eight inches. And I was wondering what can I do to kind of bandage that up so uh, it wouldn't kill the tree because it's all it's starting to come out and bloom real well yeah. and, and doing real well otherwise. But I'm just wondering what I can do to protect it and uh, to to encourage healing. So it's all the way around the base of the tree, all the way around the trunk? No, it's just uh, about as big as my thumb on one side. Okay. And it looks like it's been doing it for a while because it's kind of brown. The the, the tree is uh, is kind of after, when they took the bark off, it's yeah. brown, which it's been done before. Huh, I wonder what they're doing there. Voles, the little metamice, if you pile mulch up against a tree, they can live in the in the mulch underneath the tree and... They'll, bore, they'll eat the bark where they're hidden. So I don't know what would be on the tree. Nonetheless, let's go this way. If, as long as you have intact bark on the rest of the trunk, except for that one little place that's been gnawed on, basically all you do is get a little razor knife, go out and scrape the dead stuff and the, you know, the icky-looking things that don't look healthy at all. And you don't have to do anything after that. There's no tar, there's no fungicide, no spray, no anything that makes the tree heal any better. The only thing you need to do is clean it up a little bit so the tree can, can feel oxygen, which will stimulate the tree to heal itself quicker. So no tar, no nothing, just uh, clean it up and let nature take its course. All right. Uh, do you have any idea what might be doing it? Like I said, voles would be my first choice, but that would be if you told me, oh, I had the mulch, I pulled the mulch away, and you know they were underneath there. But right. if you didn't have that, I don't think of anything else that would be chewing on a dogwood, no. All right. Well, I sure appreciate that, and uh, I'll definitely do that, because I, I bought the tree for uh, my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. we got to take care I've of the tree, to, Charles. i got to save that one. Yeah, man. Thanks for calling, right. friend. We'll see you soon. Okay, thank you, sir. It's 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. She Update brought to you by Ackerman Security this morning. Showers will taper off during the day. High today, 61 degrees as the sun comes out. Low of 36. Possibility of freeze in the northern part of Atlanta tomorrow. Mostly mixed with clouds and sun. The high of 61 degrees, low of 45 overnight. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Anthony down in Fairburn, Georgia, joins us. Hey, Anthony. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing all right, my friend. How can I help? Yes, I just bought a Japanese maple. Yeah. Um, I saw one down in um, Pike Nursery down in uh, PC City. Yeah. And I want to plant it in a pot. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out what's the biggest size pot I need and what type of the best potting soil for it. Big one. You might even want to make your own planter because 36 inches is what you would like to have, Anthony. And you're going to be pay a lot of money for a 36-inch decorative clay pot or glazed pot, either one. If, is this a really dwarf Japanese maple, or is it full size, or what's the eventual size where it's going to be? It, it, they say it's going to be like the weeping willow-like okay. yeah. type tree. Yes, it's going to get 
They said six to six to eight feet. Thirty six inches is the minimum. Thirty six inches. Yes, the minimum. sir. Yes, sir. And you may, like I say, you may want to make your own decorative planter out of uh, pressure treated wood somehow. But trying to find a pot that big is going to be a lot of lot of money for you, Anthony. Okay. But fill it up okay. with good planting soil. You know, do like the directions say to put the fill it full of planting soil. Put the maple in the middle of it. It'll dry out a little faster than it would be if it were in the ground. So just keep that in mind that you need to water during the summertime a little bit more often. But other than that, you can do it in a, in a container as long as the container is big enough to hold moisture when it gets hot and dry during July and August. Okay. 36 inches to minimum, yes, though. You got it. Four okay. feet would be great. If you really, if you want to really treat it nice, Anthony, four feet in diameter would be fabulous. Four feet wide and four, four feet deep? You, yeah, four feet wide, four feet long, and uh, about 18 inches deep. It doesn't have to be very deep, but four feet wide one direction, four feet wide the other direction, 18 to maybe 24 deep would be fine. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Hammer it together. We'll see you soon, Anthony. Thanks for calling. Okay. It's 657 at News Talk WSB. This is London Gardner. Number is 404-872-0750. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Uh-huh.